Making sure a business thrives is challenging, but sometimes the solution can lie right in the numbers. Uh, specifically, 37,000, 25, and 1. Now, these aren't just figures. They're a gateway to more visibility and decisive control in your business. Let's start with 37,000. That's the amount of businesses who've embraced NetSuite by Oracle, the ultimate cloud financial system revolutionizing accounting, financial management, HR, and beyond. And 25? That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do everything from accelerating financial closures to slashing operational costs. And every business is unique, making yours the one that matters. NetSuite offers tailored solutions to amplify your key performance indicators, all consolidated within one streamlined platform. Ready to optimize? Download NetSuite's coveted KPI checklist, engineered to elevate your performance consistently, absolutely free. Visit netsuite.com slash cbs now. That's netsuite.com slash cbs. Good morning to you and welcome to CBS This Morning. It's Tuesday, January 19th, 2021. I'm Gail King with Anthony Mason and Tony DeCopel. We're going to begin today with America just one day away from getting a new president. The National Mall in Washington has been transformed for this occasion. You're looking at 56 pillars of light, illuminating nearly 200,000 flags. Last night, representing all 50 states and territories. And regardless of how you voted, the inauguration is typically a time of hope for many. And that's despite the heightened security in Washington, D.C. right now. More than 20,000 National Guard troops are patrolling a tightly controlled security zone in our nation's capital. We've got a team of correspondents covering this unprecedented moment in American history, and we're going to begin with Jeff Begay's on new threats of domestic terrorism. Jeff, good morning to you. What do we know? Yeah, good morning, Tony. Welcome to a heavily fortified Washington, D.C. And you can see it behind me. You have members of the National Guard here at this checkpoint. They are armed and ready to counter any potential violence. And just to give you an idea of how tense the situation here is, look at this new intelligence that we're getting from the FBI, which says members of the conspiracy extremist group QAnon have been talking online about potentially posing as members of the National Guard in an effort to get closer to the inauguration. CBS News has learned that federal investigators are focusing on extremist groups that may have scoped out the Capitol and trained for the assault on January 6th. On Monday, police arrested two Ohio residents, 38-year-old Jessica Watkins and 50-year-old Donovan Kroll, who are both affiliated with a militia group and were seen in photos inside the Capitol during the riot. Law enforcement also arrested 22-year-old Riley June Williams of Pennsylvania after she was on the run from authorities. Court papers allege Williams took a laptop or hard drive from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office when she stormed the Capitol. A former romantic partner told the FBI that Williams intended to send the computer device to a friend in Russia who then planned to sell the device to SVR, Russia's foreign intelligence service, but the transfer fell through for unknown reasons. Thousands of National Guard troops are patrolling the city. The FBI is now vetting all Guard members, even though Acting Defense Secretary Christopher Miller said there is no intelligence indicating an insider threat. Meanwhile, police shut down the Capitol complex yesterday due to reports of a nearby explosion, but it turns out it was a small fire blocks away. It's as vulnerable as the government ever gets, but I think it's an important message to send. 
Republican Senator Roy Blunt, who chairs the Joint Congressional Committee on Inaugural Ceremonies, told CBS Evening News anchor and managing editor Nora O'Donnell an inauguration is always an event to be concerned about. The people here create a target that you normally wouldn't have. I think we've made this as safe as we can make it with as much freedom as you could expect to have and as much security as you would want to have. Senator Blunt also told Nora in that exclusive interview that he thought as many as 1,000 people actually made it into the Capitol building on January 6th. And he also said this. He said that if President Trump decides on his last day to pardon any of them, it would be, quote, disastrous. Anthony. Jeff, thank you. 1,000, that's a lot higher than originally thought. President-elect Biden spent part of Martin Luther King Jr. Day volunteering at a food bank in Philadelphia. He's already got a packed agenda for his first day in office tomorrow as he inherits leadership of a nation in crisis. Senior White House correspondent Weijia Zhang is in Wilmington, Delaware. Weijia, confirmation hearings for Mr. Biden's cabinet begin this morning. What's the latest? Well, good morning to you, Anthony. You know, President-elect Biden may have to begin his term with a team of all acting, not permanent cabinet members. That's because even though today the Senate confirmation process begins for five of his nominees, they may not be approved by tomorrow. Meanwhile, Mr. Biden is still tweaking his inaugural address and says speechwriting is going well. CBS News got an inside look at the inaugural platform and the view from President-elect Biden's lectern where he will deliver the most important speech of his career. Louisiana Congressman Cedric Richmond will serve as a top advisor in the West Wing. I think he's going to share his vision for the country. He is the president for all of America and he's going to govern that way. To govern, Mr. Biden will need a team. Today, Senate confirmation hearings will start for five of his cabinet picks to lead the Departments of State, Treasury, Defense, and Homeland Security, along with the Director of National Intelligence. In her opening remarks obtained by CBS News, Secretary of Treasury nominee Janet Yellen will call for major financial actions now to prevent a long-term scarring of the economy later. We're going into Wednesday knowing that um, we're, getting, we're ready to do the work. The transition has been tense with far less coordination than usual between the Trump and Biden teams. In yet another sign, last night President Trump issued a proclamation that would lift COVID-related travel restrictions for much of Europe and Brazil, places where the virus is still spreading. The Biden administration quickly rejected the move. Mr. Biden's incoming press secretary tweeted, the administration does not intend to lift these restrictions. In in fact, we plan to strengthen public health measures around international travel in order to further mitigate the spread of COVID-19. Today, the president-elect is heading to Washington after an event to send him off here in Wilmington. Then this evening, he will participate in a COVID-19 event with 400 lights shining along the reflecting pool at the Lincoln Memorial to honor the some 400,000 Americans who have lost their lives to the virus. Gail? I'll be interested to see that ceremony. We should, we're also hearing about this, president-elect's immigration plan. Can you tell us anything about that? 
Yeah, so in his very first days in office, the president-elect will introduce a plan that could, if passed, legalize citizenship for millions of immigrants who are living here currently without current status. He also plans to make it easier to seek asylum along the U.S.-Mexico border, impose a deportation moratorium, and extend protections for so-called dreamers. Tony? All right, I'll take it. Thank you, Ouija. President oh. Trump. <laughs> Good to see you, Weijia Zhang. President Trump still has all the powers of the presidency, but this is, as, you, you, as we've been telling you, his last full day in office. Ben Tracy's at the White House with more on that part of the story. Ben, what do we expect from the president today? Gail, good morning. Two words for today, pardons and commutation. Sources here at the White House tell us that President Trump could issue up to 100 of them. Now, it's not entirely clear who will be receiving them, but Mr. Trump's former political aide Steve Bannon and personal attorney Rudy Giuliani could be on the list. So far, President Trump has actually used his clemency powers far less than President George W. Bush or President Obama, who the day before he left office pardoned or commuted the sentences of 330 people. Most low-level drug offenders with mandatory sentences. But unlike them, President Trump insists he has the power to pardon himself. That would be a controversial move and an admission of guilt that could anger Senate Republicans who are jurors in his impeachment trial. Now, we haven't seen President Trump in public in more than six days, and since he's banned from Twitter, we've barely heard from him. Now, President Trump is going to be skipping all of the inauguration events. He's going to head to Florida early Wednesday morning after a farewell event at Joint Base Andrews. He will have the so-called nuclear football, that's the briefcase that includes the nuclear codes, with him until noon tomorrow. A separate briefcase will be here in Washington, ready for President Biden once he's sworn in. Tony. All right, Ben, if the president pardons himself, I think a lot of people will be saying, pardon my French. Thank you very much. Uh, and we will bring you coverage of tomorrow's historic inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, beginning with a special CBS this morning from Washington and continuing throughout the day from CBS News. There will then be a half-hour primetime special, One Nation Indivisible, focused on what the change in leadership means for all of us here in America. That is tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on CBS. Now to the coronavirus pandemic and the huge effort to vaccinate as many Americans as possible. The reported death toll has reached 399,000 in the U.S. and is almost certain to pass 400,000 later today. The latest CDC data shows less than half of all available vaccine doses have been given to patients. States are working hard to change that. Our lead national correspondent, David Begno, is in Lansing, Michigan. David, how's Mich Michigan's vaccination effort going? Anthony, they've used about half their vaccine so far. That's the vaccines that they have received. Sparrow Health System here in the Lansing area actually secured this old Sears center. This is where you come to get your oil changed. But this morning, you just drive up and get a COVID test. They've already tested 100,000 people. And starting today, just this morning, what they did was they opened the two closest bays to where we are to start vaccinating people. First time they're doing it right here. This is what's happening all around the country. Hospital systems are finding whatever space they can find to get the job done. From amusement parks to arena parking lots, even livestock event centers, there are vaccine super sites popping up all over the country wherever there's room. Cases and hospitalizations are on the decline nationally, but with more infectious variants spreading in at least 20 different states right now, don't expect cases to drop too low, warns infectious disease expert Michael Osterholm. 
This is what I think is extremely concerning and why this race we have between the virus and the variants and the vaccine administration right now is so critical. Getting the vaccine to underserved communities is also critical, and that is what Dr. Richard Bates is doing here in Michigan. Usually twice a week, Dr. Bates loads a cooler full of vaccines in his pickup truck, and he drives about two and a half hours north to a hospital in rural Alpena, where they're immediately administered. That's because the Alpena facility doesn't have the freezers that are needed to store the vials. So from the moment he drops them off, they have five days to use them. I needed to be there for the clinic. It's my community, and... I'll go. Bates is now a hospital administrator at MidMichigan Health. But before that, he was an OBGYN right here in Alpena. After delivering babies for more than 25 years, he says the joy of delivering vaccines is the same. And seeing the look on people's faces, just like I did when I handed off newborn babies, to, you know, a baby that was hope and dreams and all those sorts of things. So it's the same feeling. You know, there are still pockets of extreme spread around the country. Take California. They've had three million cases thus far. In California, uh, the L.A. area, they actually have their own variant. You've heard of the variant from the U.K. Well, L.A.'s got its own variant that is spreading like wildfire there. There are so many people dying just in Los Angeles County, Gail, that they actually relaxed their air quality restrictions so they could do more cremations than they're usually allowed to do. Oh, boy, David, I'm very sorry to hear that. Thank you very much. We are now joined by Dr. Ashish Jha. He's dean of Brown University School of Public Health. Dr. Jha, very good to see you again this morning. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Gail. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. Let's start, well, let's pick up where uh, David left off about getting the vaccine. We can all agree that it's been an epic fail. But now as we move forward, the Biden administration, of course, wants to correct that. They're saying 100 million uh, shots in the first 100 days. Sounds very ambitious. Do you think it's doable? You know, Gail, I do. Uh, I do think it's doable. I think what the Biden team has laid out as a plan is, uh, somebody described it, maddeningly obvious. It's just, it's basic public health. It's the federal government helping the states. It's getting more vaccine uh, sites set up. I think if we do all of that, I think we can do a million shots a day uh, over the next three months. You know, we were talking at the table in David's report. They said you, they're going to set up a facility in a garage. Is that okay with you? Tony DeCoppel said, I'll take it wherever, I'm, however. Is that okay with you? Me too. And Tony, Anthony Mason said the same. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you guys. Uh, I, I feel like, look, um, we want to set it up anywhere where it's safe to do so. You want to have space where people can come, they can get their vaccine. Uh, and I, I like the idea of setting it up in, you know, in stadiums and in gyms. And uh, all of that is great as, as long as we make it accessible to the American people. So as we sit here today, less than half of all the vaccine doses that have been shipped have been administered. Why is that happening and how do we close the gap? Yeah, so I think, first of all, things are starting to get better. I think the reason is there was no federal planning whatsoever. Basically, they gave the vaccines to states, but states didn't have any resources. They didn't have much in the way of planning. Uh, states are figuring it out, and they're starting to get uh, going. And I think we'll see this even ramp up further once the federal government gets involved and starts helping states. When do you expect that the vaccine will be available for everybody? 
Anything oh, that's a great comes? question, Gail. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, I, I will. I, I think um, majority of Americans should start seeing it be available for them in April to May if everything goes well. Obviously, that could slip to June, but certainly by summertime, I think anybody who wants a vaccine should be able to get one. Okay. Listen, I, I just want to hear any date, any date at all, because before we had none. <laughs> But what do you make of the, the new strains we keep hearing about? Are you concerned about them, these viral strains that are now seeping in? Yeah, you know, I, I am actually really concerned about them. Certainly the UK variant really concerns me because it's so much more contagious and it's going to end up dominating uh, uh, the infections in the United States. So we have a real race right now. Uh, these variants are starting to take off across the country and our job is to get as many people vaccinated and protected as possible uh, before those variants really become dominant and start infecting a lot of people. All right, Dr. Ashish Jha, always good to see you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for listening to the CBS This Morning podcast. Be sure to subscribe to get daily podcast originals. You can watch the CBS This Morning broadcast Monday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on your local CBS station or live on the CBS All Access app. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to CBS Mornings on the go ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Ion College Basketball Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.